Locked On Bruins, your daily podcast on the Boston Bruins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Bruins fans? It's your host, Ian McLaren, and this is a daily Boston Bruins podcast where we discuss all things spoke to be, as well as take a look around the NHL. Today is Monday, December 14th, and this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Today on the podcast, we're going to continue our series on which Bruins wore it best by looking at numbers 40 through 49. Numbers 50 through 99 have been discussed in previous episodes, so if you missed any of those, please do go back and listen. Uh, I will say off the top that there are quite a few Bruins players who have worn numbers 40 through 49 in in team history, but I will do my best to uh, you know make sure that we're getting a good sample size of players and picking the best player to wear each number. Before we get to that, let me remind you that the podcast, of course, is available on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere you get your podcasts. Please do subscribe, and each episode will be available to download, listen, and enjoy. If you could also rate and review, that would be very much appreciated. If you're on social media, you can find the podcast at LO underscore Boston Bruins on Twitter and at Locked On Boston Bruins on Instagram. You can find me on both platforms at Ian C. McLaren. So let's get right into it, shall we? And at number 49, a couple of my favorite all-time Bruins make an appearance. Actually, I should also mention that, uh, you know, struggling with a little throat uh, soreness this morning, some sniffles, just a common cold, I believe. Uh, my son is also home as well, so if there's any background noise, then uh, you can be sure that uh, it's just him watching, uh, I believe he's watching Kicking It on Disney+, Plus, something like that. Anyways, let's get to number 49 for the Boston Bruins, and I think the first memory that I have of a Bruins prospect that I was extremely excited about was Joe Juno. He was drafted 81st overall by the Bruins in 1988, and he made his Bruins debut in 1991-92, that regular season, as a 24-year-old. And that was after having played for Canada at the uh, 1992 Olympics. If you'll recall, uh, Juno spent an entire year with the Canadian Olympic team because he was disputing his contract offer from the Bruins. This was, of course, before entry-level deals and all that kind of stuff. He insisted on being paid full salary even if he was sent to the minors. And then general manager Harry Sinden refused to meet this request. And he was famously quoted in response to Juno's threat to play in Switzerland that he'll have to learn how to yodel. Canada won a silver medal at the Albertville Games in 1992, and uh, Juno eventually signed with the team uh, following the Olympic Games. He came right out of the gate with five goals and 14 assists for 19 points in 14 
games. And then in 1992-93, he recorded a career-high 32 goals, 70 assists, and 102 total points, uh, which was uh, amazing, you know, for a 25-year-old rookie. So he possibly wore it best for the Bruins until a trade was made with the Atlanta Thrashers that brought Rich Peverly to town. Those of you who have listened to the podcast in the past know that I have a great affinity for Rich Peverly. He's actually been on the podcast twice, in fact, and uh, he's a great guy. He is from Guelph, which is where I live, and... Of course, when the Bruins won the Stanley Cup in 2011, he brought the cup to the Sleeman Center here in Guelph, which is the home of the Ontario Hockey League's Guelph Storm. And uh, it was great to be able to celebrate the Bruins' cup victory kind of in person, get a picture taken with him, and things like that. Now, uh, he didn't quite have the offensive success that Joe Juno did, uh, in 127 career games with the Bruins, Peverly recorded 21 goals, 46 assists for 67 total points. Of course, in the playoffs, he uh, greatly helped the Bruins. He had four goals, eight assists, and 12 points for the Bruins in 2011, including a big one in Game 4 of the Stanley Cup Final that the Bruins desperately needed to win in order to take the series back to Vancouver tied at 2 uh, so yeah, it's a bit of a toss-up for me between Juno and Peverly. Uh, Juno, you know, had a, a great stint with the Bruins, 193 points in 161 games. But I think I'm going to give the edge to Peverly because he won a Stanley Cup with the Bruins. He had a goal in the final and uh, just because of uh, the personal tie as well. So, um, yeah, Joe Juno, great player, but I'm going to give it to Mr. Peverly. At number 48, there are a dozen players uh, to choose from. Nobody really stands out apart from Josef Stumpel, I believe, who wore the number once, but he did appear in 424 games for the Bruins, 281 career points as a second-round pick in 1991. Currently, the number is worn by Matt Grzyk, and I think he has a good chance of becoming a memorable player to have worn this number. Uh, There aren't any other players who wore it for more than a season or two. Uh, Names like Steve Stios, Randy Robitaille, Jay Leach, Currently coach of the Providence Bruins, uh, Matt Hunwick, Chris Bork, Colin Miller. Uh, So not a lot to choose from there. Uh, So either, yeah, Stumple, who played for the Bruins for a few seasons, but only wore this number for one of them. Or Matt Grizzlick, who has worn it since 2017 and just now kind of primed opportunity to have a breakout and to be, uh, you know, the kind of power play quarterback and point producing defenseman that we all remember from number 47. Now there's no question who is the best number 47 in team history from 2012 to 2020. That number was worn by Tori Krug, an undrafted college defenseman who recorded 337 points in 523 games for the Bruins 
two-time Stanley Cup finalist, and yes, now a current member of the St. Louis Blues. Still pains me to say such a thing, but it's true he and the Bruins were unable to come to an agreement on a new contract, and it is Krug 47 out, and Matt Grizzlick, who's wearing number 48, who steps in and has an opportunity to kind of fill the void left by Tory Krug. Uh, can't say enough about Tory Krug's play for the Bruins, for his contributions off the ice as well. Uh, one of my favorite Bruins from the last decade, to be sure. I always root for the little guys. I won't soon forget his hit on Robert Thomas in the 2019 Stanley Cup Final. Helmetless, flying into him. Um, and, you know, even the fact that those two have connected over it uh, doesn't deter from uh, that memory uh, for sure. What a great, what a great moment that was for Bruins fans. Before we jump to number 46, let's talk for a moment about Built Bar. Built Bar is quite simply the best tasting protein bar out there. It comes in 18 amazing flavors, some with nuts, some non-nut. Each are covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew, and also gluten-free, which is very important for myself as someone who has celiac. Great for the health-conscious person. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and great for people on the keto diet. Right now, if you go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, you can get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Now, number 46 is a clear winner as well. We have players like Ted Donato, Sean Pronger, Jonathan Girard. But for the last 13 years, this number has been worn by David Krejci, and it could very well be hung from the rafters one day. He was selected 63rd overall by the Bruins in 2004 and made his Bruins debut in 2006-2007 appearing in only six games, failed to record a point. But then from there, he became a staple member of the Bruins organization. 911 career games, 207 goals, 479 assists for 686 total points. He is, of course, a Stanley Cup champion. He finished sixth in Selkie voting in 2008-2009. And he, along with Patrice Bergeron, have been as good of a one-two punch down the middle as almost any across the NHL over the last decade. Of course, there's Malkin Crosby that you have to uh, contend with, but uh, we have been so lucky to have both of these guys in the organization for the last, you know, 13, 15 years. And uh, David Krejci in my mind, still doesn't get quite as much respect as he deserves from Bruins fans. Bruins' history in recent years would be quite different without him in the lineup. He's often overlooked for maybe flashier players, for Patrice Bergeron, for all the awards that he's won. But, um, you know, he's an alternate captain, and he is as important to the Bruins' Uh, Stanley Cup win, as well as their um, 
runs to the final in both 2013 and 2019. If you recall, in 2010, the Bruins' series against the Flyers was derailed after Krejci suffered a wrist injury in Game 4, I believe from a slash by Mike Richards. And if he had remained healthy, it could have been a different story for them that year as well. Uh, So David Krejci, without question, number 46, the Bruin to wear it best. Number 45, oof, not a lot of players to choose from here. There's Dale Dunbar, who wore it first in 1989. Uh, Steve Hines was a a pretty great right winger for the Bruins. He only wore the number for one year. Uh, Most recently, we have Joe Morrow. But I'm going to give number 45 to Mark Stewart. Mark Stewart was a first-round pick of the Boston Bruins in 2003. He appeared in... 283 games for the Bruins, 13 goals, 27 assists. Not really a offensive dynamo. He, of course, was traded along with Blake Wheeler to the Atlanta Thrashers for Rich Peverly and Boris Valibic. Uh, he later signed a three-year deal worth $5.1 million to remain with the Thrashers turned Winnipeg Jets. And he went on to play for a few more years for the Jets organization uh, a pretty solid, steady defenseman. And uh, yeah, he gets the nod at number 45 for the Bruins. Now, number 44 is a bit weird because it includes a player that I was very fond of as a Boston Bruin in Glenn Murray. He wore the number from 1992 to 1995. He moved on and then came back for, to the Bruins later on in his career where he had his more productive years. So we'll touch on that when we come to his number there later we have nick boynton who i i think i've said on the podcast before i had a great affinity for uh growing up in ottawa he played for the 67s and they won a championship in 1999 i believe first round pick of the bruins and uh you know i've really admired how he actually he was a first round pick of the Capitals and later became a Bruin. Uh, but I really admire how he has been open about his battles with alcoholism and really helped uh, people in that same situation in recent years. Aaron Ward wore the number, but then we have Dennis Seidenberg who wore it from 2010 to 2016. Of course, he as well is a Stanley Cup champion. 2011 and you know without his steady presence on the blue line I don't think the Bruins would have won that year Uh, he went on to uh, be bought out by the Bruins finished his career with the Islanders played very well at the World Cup for the European team that went to the final against Canada which the Bruins or sorry yeah which Bruins forward Brad Marchand scored the game winning goal uh to win the World Cup for Canada. Uh, So Dennis Seidenberg, number 44, another Stanley Cup champion. You're seeing a trend here. The guys who have won a cup uh, in our lifetime are getting the nod over uh, some other guys. At number 43, we have the dearly departed Danton Heinen, uh, currently a member of the Anaheim Ducks. He wore this from 2017 to 2020. Matt Bartkowski wore it prior to him from 2011 to 2015. 
He too was on the Stanley Cup winning roster, although he did not make an appearance in the playoffs that year. Uh, going back a bit further, we have Al Iafredi, who wore the number briefly in 1994, Rick Jackman, Jan Statsny, Martins Kersums. But you know what? I'm going to give this to Bob Beers. He wore the number from 1990 to 1991. And let's be honest, anytime you can get the name Beers on the back of a hockey jersey, that's quite simply a win. Of course, he is a radio commentator for 98.5, the Sports Hub at the moment. Drafted in the 10th round of the 1985 NHL entry draft. Represented the United States in multiple world championships. And, um, you know, he has been in and around the organization for quite some time now. And, uh, yeah, Bob Beers, number 43, he wore it best. Number 42, David Backus wore the number from 2017 to 2020. Not really a tenure to be remembered. Uh, Blake Wheeler wore the number in 2009. Uh, we have PJ Stock, Tim Sweeney, uh, Brent Hughes, John Bice, Bob Sweeney wore the number as well. Eesh, I don't really know who to give this to, to be honest. Uh, perhaps PJ Stock was most memorable for racking up 282 penalty minutes in 130 games with the Bruins. Uh, Bacchus, I really wish he had played in Game 7 against the St. Louis Blues. I do think that looking back, he could have had the uh, kind of a emotional edge that the Bruins perhaps lacked in that game. Uh, but when it comes to number 42, I'm kind of at a loss as to uh, who wore best. If you have any, uh, excuse me, uh, any preferences, please do let me know. At number 41, we have current uh, Bruins backup goaltender, Yaroslav Halak. Uh, he's had quite an NHL career. Uh, let's see here. He's played in 520 games with a career save percentage of 916. He's been amazing for the Bruins over the last couple of years, around a 921 save percentage. Uh, but I think we'll go back in time a little bit for number 41. My favorite player to wear this number was Jason Allison. He played in 301 games for the Bruins, almost averaged a point per game. And he also finished ninth in Hart Trophy voting in 1997-1998. 81 games played. He scored 33 goals and added 50 assists. He also had 76 points the next season. Uh, and then was uh, hit career highs in 2000-2001 with 36 goals, 59 assists for 95 points. Uh, so Jason Allison, a great center for the Bruins back in the day. Number 40, there is zero question who the best player is. There have been 12 players to wear this number. And uh, I'm not even going to list them because it's Tuka Rask, to be sure. Tuka Rask is the winningest goalie in Bruins history. With 291 career regular season wins, he also leads the Bruins in career save percentage at 922. Um, 
you know, he has quite simply been fantastic for the Bruins throughout his career. And again, I've said it repeatedly that in 2019, if the Bruins had won Game 7, he would have been the Conn Smythe Trophy winner, a surefire Hall of Famer. And um, the fact that they lost that game was no fault of his own. He also was spectacular in the run to the final in 2013. He, of course, was a backup to Tim Thomas in 2011. But for the Bruins to have been able to go from Thomas to Rask is an incredible, uh, you know, gift that they have been given by the Toronto Maple Leafs, who uh, traded Rask to the Bruins for Andrew Raycroft back in the day, a move they certainly would like to have back. Uh, Tuka Rask, uh, elite goaltender who deserves respect from each and every single Bruins fan, even after his decision to leave the bubble. I would say that even made me respect him even more, to be honest, because he has his priorities in the right place. He chose family over hockey. Hockey, of course, is only a game, and family is everything, uh, quite simply. So Tuka Rask, one of my all-time favorite Bruins, number 40, will without question be hung from the rafters one day. He's a Vesna Trophy winner. He was a finalist this year, still at the top of his game. He's got one year left on his current deal with the Bruins. Hopefully, he comes back after that, finishes his career in Boston. And the same, I would say, of uh, David Krejci, who also has one year left on his uh, current deal with the Bruins. So a lot of... Players from the Bruins' recent success over the past decade or so in the mix here in the 40s. Uh, a lot of guys to choose from. Rich Peverly, Tori Krug, David Krejci, um, Dennis Seidenberg, Tuka Rask, uh, among my favorites. Let me know who you would choose out of this bunch as the player to wear it best. And we'll be back next week with another episode of which Bruins wore best, looking at numbers 30 through 39. Let's finish with some news and notes from around the hockey world and some sad news to pass along in former Colorado Avalanche GM Pierre Lacroix passed away on Sunday in Las Vegas from complications related to COVID-19. He was 72. He was, of course, the GM of the uh, Colorado Avalanche, when they moved from Quebec City to Colorado, he won a couple Stanley Cups with the Avs and pulled off the deal that brought Ray Bork from the Boston Bruins to the Avs in 2001 or 2000, sorry, uh, and then they won the Cup in 2001. Uh, so very sad news there, and um, yeah, hopefully we can get. This COVID situation settled soon so that hockey can come back. We can all go about our lives uh, safely. And um, I, I feel like it's going to be maybe another rough month or two before we get there. But, you know, the vaccines are starting to be distributed and things like that. There has been no formal announcement in terms of NHL return to play. I would expect that that would come sometime this week if they're hopeful to get a season started you know, the target date is the 13th, so that was a month ago, a month from yesterday. Um, so things would really have to come in place quickly for 
training camps to start in time and things like that. There are some players who are returning to North America from Europe, beginning to settle in their NHL cities and, and quarantine and things like that. And um, again, we will update that whenever possible. The World Junior Championship is set to begin on Christmas Day. And uh, if you saw on Twitter over the weekend, the six European countries were kind of crammed onto two planes and uh, not very conducive to social distancing and quarantining and things like that. So uh, hopefully that doesn't have a huge impact on that tournament. Uh, I'm still not convinced it should be a thing this year, but uh, you know, they're going ahead with it and hopefully they're are no new cases among the youngsters who will be playing and uh, we can have a safe uh, tournament that will tide us over somewhat until uh, the NHL returns and the NWHL bubble uh, gathers as well. I think that's pretty much it for today's episode of Locked On Boston Bruins. Again, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you to those who subscribe. If you don't already, please do. And uh, you'll get access to each new episode on your favorite podcast app. Um, What's going on up here these days? Continuing my watch of Justified with my wife, Lauren. We're all nearing the end of season two, which has been pretty entertaining. I'm also nearing the end of uh, Sons of Anarchy. uh, So I need to pick another show to watch soon. I'm thinking of watching Better Call Saul again from the beginning. Um, Also reading, yeah, that Camel Club book by David Baldacci. He's a great writer and it kind of reads like a season of Homeland. And uh, I picked up a couple of John Grisham books to read over the holidays just for something entertaining and somewhat light uh, to, yeah, just, I know it's going to be a a difficult holiday season for many, but uh, we can get through it together. And uh, I'm grateful for this little community that we've created here, locked on Boston Bruins. And hopefully I've said that a lot uh, over the last few minutes, but hopefully, fingers crossed, there's some more Bruins hockey to talk about in the coming weeks. And uh, we'll get a decision from Zdeno Chara on whether he is coming back or not. Obviously, that will be a huge talking point either way. Hope you all have a great Monday, and we will be back on Wednesday, most likely with a mailbag episode. So please do uh, send in some.